0: Welcome to the increasingly inaccurately titled weekly squeak. This is Chris Ward or Christian Schiller joining you from Gregarious Mammal Towers, and I have Kate Lawrence with me, but she is jet setting around the world.
1: In I'm in Moabish.
0: Ah, that's actually about three stations away.
1: What are you doing there? <laughs> I'm actually cat sitting. Um, Some friends of ours have gone to Bristol for the weekend and they have a very large orange and white cat called Victor. So Victor requires quite a lot of attention, particularly feeding at regular intervals of about six times a day. So I'm here to be the cat sitter, make sure he gets fed and all his desires are met. His
0: desires? Yeah, Sounds. it's pretty much
1: involved coming and cuddling you. He's, as I said, he is quite large. We will put a photo on the um, on the site so people can have a look. He's quite a quite a, a heft, really. Telling you,
0: we're going to have cat photos.
1: There is just one, but when he comes and cuddles you, you actually lose the um, sensation in your arms because he is that heavy. It's quite funny, quite a strange phenomenon.
0: All right, well, we have had a very busy, not even a few weeks, a very busy week. So I think we should get started. Um, most of this episode, we're going to talk about things that have been happening in Berlin. But one is very international. We have been to IFA. In fact, Kate is going back next week, but we'll talk about some of the things we saw. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to talk about where we were last night, which was um, die, der, das... Something, others say, we'll just do in English, uh, a <laughs> long night of the startups, which was, Berlin loves doing these long nights of anything, pretty much, um, including startups. Uh, and it was quite entertaining to be out on a Saturday night getting pitches at 11.30 at night, um, but it was fun. And I am knackered, I must say. So we've got quite a bit to talk about. I actually think, because it's going to be sort of chronologically accurate, Mm. how about we first quickly talk about some of the other things we've been writing over the past few weeks. Do you want to go first, Kate?
1: Sure, I can do that. Um, I've been writing a few things at Read I think it's it's partially I've been writing some new things and secondly, some articles that have been sitting in the... um, Edit pile have been edited by my editor because he's been traveling and been quite busy um, one of the topics I have been covering in the last few weeks is the not only the Olympics but also the Paralympics and the Paralympics is a funny beast um, it's you know it's been around for quite some time and yet it still really struggles to get the audiences that you would expect um, for an international elite athlete. Um, event. It struggles, it struggles to get the sponsorship, and it struggles to actually get finance for the athletes to actually attend the Games in Rio this year. So I guess I was looking at it from a slightly different angle. And one thing that comes up when you talk about technology and sport, particularly in regard to things like um, Paralympics, where technology is used to assist people with disabilities of various types from visual impairment to um, amputees to people with intellectual disabilities, all sorts of disabilities, um, is the question of whether the technology is is actually making people have skills that are above what a normal, and I use that term very loosely, (laughs) what a non-disabled or normal, if you want to use that term, athlete would have. Or is it giving them an added advantage above and beyond that? And it's it's an interesting phenomenon because I think every year they do struggle to classify the athletes. And there was a situation, I think, in the last Olympics in um, Brazil. Was it Brazil? No. Where, where was the last one? It was one?
0: in Brazil. Okay. It's only just happened. So. <laughs> no, it was the previous one. Well,
1: oh, Sorry, uh, I London.
0: Sorry, I'm London.
1: London. Uh, was it? No, I mean, there was one after that.
0: No, 2012 Hmm. Okay, the last I, one.
1: I do apologise. 2012, there was a situation there where one of the basketball teams that won was disqualified because they discovered that a number of the athletes who were um, under the category of intellectually impaired weren't intellectually impaired. (laughs) So a bit of an issue there. Um,
0: And I guess it's a very sensitive uh, in terms of um, qualifying and quantifying... Disabilities as well,
1: absolutely. And so, one thing that's um, I'll, I'll kind of look at it from two different angles. But one thing that's slightly different is the issue of um, when I look at technology, um, the argument that, um, um, and I'll read you a quote that um, an ex Paralympic swimmer said, and he's now a professor in biomechanics. His name's Brendan Burkett at the University of Sunshine Coast in Australia, um, and his claim is. But we still need to keep the essence of the sport. We need to keep that while also improving the functionality of the sport. We don't want the sport to be inhibited by robots, though. We want them to always be controlled by the humans. Now, this is very interesting because in Zurich, in Switzerland, in October this year, is the first Cybathlon. What it is is basically there will be 74 athletes from 25 countries competing, and the, the competition is a, it's not just sort of sporting events, but it's actually a bit more of a, um, a showcase of how technology and robotic technology particularly helps these people in their daily lives. Um, so it's all kinds of things, like there are obstacle courses for people with prosthetics and wheelch- and in wheelchairs. It could be something like climbing chairs or walking across a beam. Um, Dexterity for prosthetic arms and limbs or hands. For example, it might be having to put something together um, or, you know, complete a task which involves fine motor skills with your hand. Um, And then you've got things like an exoskeleton obstacle course. So there's all kinds of really interesting um, events. And perhaps one of the ones that you might be surprised by is a virtual racing game using brain control interface so this is for people who have um paralysis um different levels of paralysis where ostensibly they cannot move um either above the waist or sorry below the waist or um below the the chest area um, so this is something quite different. I think it's going to be some of the most exciting technology. When we talk about technology changing people's lives for the better, this is really what we're talking about, some of these things. And I'll be definitely watching and r- looking for information and following the games with, with a lot of interest.
0: Cool. Um, anything else you want to quickly cover or is that the main topics
1: you um, want to cover just, from I'll previous I'll just cover another one very quickly, um, which is that um, – I've had the pleasure of following a um a rather fun competition which is originated in um in Tokyo it's actually the world's worst robots it's called hebacon it's an annual robot competition for the technology ungifted so it's a bit like a sumo race if you imagine a you know a, a wrestling match type arrangement where the robots are trying to push their competitors off a board but the way it works is the robots have to have very lim- limited low technology so it's really lowering the difference and lowering the bar of robotic achievement here um, and when we're talking robots bear in mind we're not talking about the kinds of things we we know like pepper and Nao and sophie and an atlas. We're talking about robots that are made out of things like fast food wrappers, Barbie dolls, sex toys, all sorts of slightly bizarre things. And the um, people, the the contestants, are actually penalised if they have high tech features um, in their robots. So it can be quite quite common to actually have someone helping the robots along with a finger, or um, you know, making sure things happen because they're unable to to move a lot of the time. Um, and I guess the way they really look at it is it's a, it's a competition where technical output can be thwarted by strategy and dogged performance. And I'd really – it's great fun. It's hilarious videos. I would encourage everyone to have a look at Hebercon, Um Watch some of the videos. You'll be laughing your ass off. It's very funny.
0: Did you get um, robot walls in Australia?
1: No. Huh. But I know it.
0: Yeah. I could imagine that would have been a lot more entertaining if <laughs> –
1: like no, it was well, like, pretty amateur,
0: and considering when it first came out, actually I guess it was reasonably advanced, really. But
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar mm. with it. I know there's mm. an American version of it. But this I think one, the British one
0: came first,
1: actually. Oh, I see, I see. But this one, you know, it's... You know, you you know, Jollity. It's you know, it's got sponsors like Maker Fair and Arduino. People are you know using it as a as a way to make robotics very accessible, particularly to younger people. So it's a great it's a great kind of fun thing. You know, the robots are terribly primitive, but why not? It gets people in gives gives them a go. You know, I so, think it's a good idea.
0: So basically, the past few weeks you've been covering um, amateur crap robots and cybernetic advanced humans, the full gamut.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a few <laughs> other things which you can have a look on the read-write site for. But, um, yeah, from the um, the sublime to the ridiculous in that situation, mm. absolutely.
0: All my stuff is probably a little less um, fantastical. I don't know. Um, I... Finally released uh, a blog post on Medium, which has been moderately popular on my Atom setup, uh, which is a text editor that I use extensively and how I've configured it for writing. Uh, I finally also had my article on building blockchain apps with Eris released. Uh, And as luck would have it, Um, The day it was released, one of the founders of Eris was actually in Berlin and we had lunch. We were hoping to have a special podcast with him, but it didn't quite happen, but that's also out. Uh, On the subject of Atom, I also released my medium exporter for Atom, if you're into that sort of thing. Finally, my article on um, Albania and Kosovo was released on the NextWeb. What was that about, Chris? Um, uh, it was about the tech and startup scenes in Albania and Kosovo, uh, and how I mean, ethnically they're similar people. I'd be careful what I'm saying, but um, culturally, in terms of tech and startups, are actually very different. And it's another one of those interesting aspects where the restrictiveness of Kosovo in that Kosovans, Kosovans find it very hard to be able to travel anywhere and they're quite isolated and they're a very new country in every way, mean that actually I think they're far more interesting than Albania. And a lot of Albanians will also say that, so it's not me being um, rude there. But that was interesting. Um, I didn't realise in the article how much I had name-checked communism until the editor put it in the title, and I complained <laughs> about it and then realized actually, no, there's actually quite a lot in here about communism. Um, oh what else? SitePoint. So I'm actually finishing up at SitePoint soon because oh, the starting be wow. a new job tomorrow, which we'll talk about what? next time. Oh, um, we had a very interesting article on using a fingerprint API with Android, uh, and I recently acquired an ipad for reasons which i will go into on a future episode because i'm still trialing it but it has a fingerprint reader and i think fingerprint readers are one of those sorts of things that before you have one you're a bit skeptical and then you have one and you think oh my god this is amazing and you miss them on every other device that doesn't have them um we also had some articles on react native optimizing your mobile apps for sort of user experience a very in-depth article on building your own audio player for Android. Um, Bluetooth low-energy devices, an interesting article. A few other things. Um, I feel like I've done other things, but I've forgotten most of them because we've been so busy the past few days. Um, but that'll do for now. Uh, I've been working on my book and a few other bits and pieces too. But
1: let's... Just to check, Chris, these yep. these articles you've mentioned, how mm. can people read those? <laughs>
0: I was going to get to that at the end, but very well. It's like you're hosting the show today. Um, You can find them all aggregated on my site on gregariousmamble.com and then some of the SitePoint articles, which I just edit, are on Um, sitepoint.com. I've overhauled my personal website quite a bit. If you're interested in saying hello, then if you're in Berlin, I will be at Ignite Berlin on September the 12th. I will be in Prague at Write the Docs EU on September the 19th. And I'll be back in wonderful Belgrade for Vox Days on September the 29th. Um, And uh, just in case it takes us a while to get to the next podcast, then I'll be back in Berlin October the 4th for LinuxCon. So maybe I'll see you at one of those. Um, Kate, I know you've got a few things coming up in the next few days as well, but I think mainly Berlin.
1: Um, yes, I'll be at um, IFA for the next few days in here in Berlin at the um, IoT tracks and the Connected Home track. Um, mid Middle of the month, I'll be at Node.js in Amsterdam. Um, I will also be at the IoT conference here in Berlin, which is just before that. Um, I think that's all for this month. Let's hope. It's a busy month and it's a short month.
0: So for the past few days, we have been at EFA, which actually stands for Internationale Funk Ausstellung, which is actually must reflect its history of being more about um, telecommunication. It's much Yay. more general now. It's basically Europe's CES, is Correct. Kind of how you can list it. Um, we were at EFA for a few days. We went to the press day, which was kind of interesting. It's basically just a building site and um, press conferences, uh, which wasn't terribly interesting. Um, we went to the Samsung press conference and you realised that, especially at this kind of consumer electronics level, they're actually a bit sort of... I feel a bit awkward and a bit kind of comical in some ways. All these rather staged, hey, we're inviting our friend up on stage to talk about this really casual subject. And it's, mm. How many times did you rehearse this casual conversation? Um, and people are... My God, are people obsessed with TVs. Um, but let's... We're going to talk more. I think we had a better time on Friday when we went back and had a look around. We certainly didn't see everything, but we grabbed a few leaflets and things here and there of things that interested us. I reckon we should tag team a bit. I'll do one, you do one, or there's some that will probably cross over. So um, I'm going to just whip through my cards and see if I can remember. The first thing... I can... I did see. Now I've lost it. Where have you gone? (laughs) Uh, Huh. That's weird. (laughs) I saw it right in front of me whilst we were talking earlier, and now... Ah, here it is, yes. Um, It is Beam Labs, which was this sort of intriguing overhead projector thing that looked like um, a desk lamp. Um, And... I think the company was aiming it at uh, architects and artists, but I, of course, went up and said, ''Oh, my God, this will be perfect for Dungeons & Dragons.''
1: Uh, oh, which, yes, which I, which I, I remember you saying
0: that. I don't think he'd quite consider the uh, the audience, but it actually would be. Um, yeah. I have a Pico projector at the moment that cost us uh, €100, Euros, which would do the job as well, but this obviously has the kind of inbuilt stand. This was far more high-end. With the stand, you're probably looking at about €500, Euros, which mm. I don't know if is a bit much for a Does the Dragons game, actually. But, um, yeah, if you're interested, we'll come back to... Actually, maybe we should carry on and talk about what we saw with Sony in relation to this because it kind of took it a step further. So um, if you don't mind jumping around a bit, Kate. So
1: Beam, that Beam
0: Labs was this um, fairly basic just sort of overhead projector, but we also saw in the Sony uh, – I don't think I have the paperwork. I think you do. I think
1: I have it. Um, I think they called it something yeah. like the Innovation Lab or the yeah. X Lab or, you know, some kind of slick name.
0: Do you want to explain what, it, what they had there?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I mean, my um, my knowledge because I've not read through it yet of, of how it actually works. But if you think about a tabletop, it's ostensibly a, um, a a little projector that enables you to use the tabletop as a drop and drag design. Template for things like um, architecture, garden design. Um, those, I mean, building sites, perhaps those sorts of things. At the moment, I imagine there's plenty of other applications. Um, it's worth stressing this was a prototype, so in terms of financing and all that stuff, we have no idea. But it was actually quite interesting. Um, and what you could do is, is you could, you know, effectively design a house, move rooms around with your finger touching the um, the tabletop. You could add greenery. You could move the greenery into the house. Even you could add floors to the house, um, as in extra levels. All those sorts of things, and you could just see the applicability would be significantly, um, you know, significantly there. And I liked it because I know that there is a lot of talk at the moment of us- utilizing architecture design through uh, virtual reality, particularly virtual reality, maybe a bit of augmented reality as well. And this just seemed a lot more simpler and a lot more accessible, you don't need to wear the clunky glasses and and get that feeling of feeling a bit, you know, a bit nauseated or a bit out of it. And it was something you could do with more than one person. So you could engage simultaneously, like maybe a team could work on a design together on the same table. And it just seemed, you know, really yeah, quite... It,
0: it was really moving into that kind of future of computing interaction space. Like, A lot of people for the past few decades have got hung up on touchscreens. And we know that touchscreens have certainly worked with tablets and phones. But in terms of long-form computing, things like Surface Pro and stuff like that, uh, they're actually a little limiting and a little uncomfortable. But this kind of table style actually, um, yeah, was super interesting and... Mm gives you that much more ability just to swipe things away and use physical elements as well. And I don't know how flexible it would be if you could actually... Well, I've seen We've seen things like this in museums as well yeah. in the past, but they're always very single-purpose, and yeah. I don't know how programmable this will be. Sure. But, um, yeah, it was super interesting. There's some other really interesting things we saw with Sony, but we'll come back to those later. Yeah. Um, also, next door... In the same area to Beam, we saw the Smarter M, Smarter dot And interestingly, Sony had another product similar to this. They seem to be about six months behind a lot of the startups. Mm. Um, so actually also this week I have been playing around the article hasn't come out yet, but I've been playing around with something called the Evive, which was like a prepackaged Arduino project with Inputs and knobs and dials and everything sort of in one unit, and I guess this is a this is a uh, something that's been happening a lot recently of trying to take these uh, very good learning devices that were very much aimed at people who sort of know what they're doing and have a modicum of experience with hardware and making them more usable, basically. Wow!
1: And this really-
0: uh, smarter dot m company based from uh, in London, I think, were um, had. These sort of sets of little modules with sort of sound and sensors that communicated wirelessly. And then you could use a scratch, uh, which, which, which I mean uh, MIT scratch, the kind of learn-to-code tool style interface to connect them and get them to uh, do things to each other, um, mainly aimed at kids, but also would be great for anyone wanting to learn those sorts of basics of programming visually and physically. And we will be getting our hands on a review unit for that very soon because they're actually launching a new pack in October. So it timed very well. Um, Yeah, and I found that super cool because I've been writing a bunch of articles recently on about learning to code. Uh, And then interestingly, we again saw Sony with something similar. I think it was called Mesh. That's
1: Um,
0: right. Yeah, and it was actually a very similar idea. Um, I think that actually
1: came out of the incubator program. Um, where they were, you know, they had, you know, either, um, I don't know, subsidised or supported or um, done some kind of sort of start-up incubator with some developers and um, entrepreneurs. And I think where that's, where, that's where the Mesh idea came from. I have heard of it before, but it would have been nice to get a bit more information. The um, Sony people didn't sort of have much there.
0: No, they were just booth
1: yeah. stuff.
0: I mean, yeah and they're all prototypes and things Um,
1: Yeah,
0: they had a lot of other interesting devices as well uh based around the whole kind of xperia brand i i think the xperia as a series of phones hasn't been terribly successful but it's recognized so i think they're trying to sort of take the brand and use it in other places uh they had like a Alexa crossed with a Wally desk robot that made you coffee and did all sorts of weird things. And oh yes, that's wasn't right. Wasn't completely convinced by it, but it was kind of cool. Um, it had lots of things like that, but uh, yeah. Let's switch back to the startups from Efa. So you, I think you've written about them before, but you also saw Plume. Do you want to explain? Oh yeah, Plume?
1: yeah. Plume is basically a. Um, a sensor device that's connected with a um, at both an app and also an online map and database. And the idea is to utilise it to measure the in real time the local pollution levels in your area. And it's based on the premise that where um, governments actually test for pollution in different cities, they uh, limit that to um, only certain places. So you may be, you know, 500 metres away or, I don't know, a kilometre away and get a completely different experience. And what Plume did was they did quite a clever little marketing campaign, was they used a small number of racing pigeons and attached these tiny little backpacks to them, which had a sensor in them to monitor the air quality and um, I think it was the moisture in the air as well, around London. So it was a way to kind of get people talking. It's a bit of a media stunt as well, but it's a clever way to engage people about the idea of um, air pollution in a really simple sense. Uh, and and what they've kind of done is they've encouraged people to be citizen scientists or data scientists, citizen data scientists. Maybe that's the term that should be used. And you know, take 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 a bit uh, a bit of responsibility to be part of a movement where people are talking about this stuff and engaging and getting real-time information. So it's quite clever, and I think it's a nice campaign. I think what they do is interesting. I, I think it's really going to come come into its own in this area, and the way it will become financially viable, if you're kind of wondering that listening, how do you make this stuff financially viable, is when it becomes part of the smart, the biggest smart city initiatives. And there's a lot of pigeons uh, around. There is, and there is a lot of smart city initiatives everywhere You're talk, is talking about smart cities. and um, How you define a smart city is very varied. I mean, you've got some places like Berlin that are wetting themselves because it's like, oh, we now have public Wi-Fi in the train stations, but only some of them. We're still testing that which is, you know, kind of slow to come. And then you've got your, you know, your connected street lights and your security systems, blah, blah, blah. But I think this is where it's going to come into its own. And what they'll do, those kind of companies, is they'll partner with the bigger ones that are running these, um, these smart cities. Because I have heard the claim, is there space for startups within smart cities? They're effectively run because... You know, government, the local governments supply for funding um, through the, the EU funding or some other bodies in different countries, and they partner with um, with big business. So they might a, a big one is Cisco, maybe Philips. Um, I think in Berlin they're doing it with. Um, let me see. I wrote it down. Uh, Panasonic. So you know, this things like Plume and the smaller competitors, and there's a number of them. I've written about them before. Will be you know becoming part of that whole scene. Mm.
0: On the subject of smart cities, one of the other interesting. Uh, this was part of a design awards thing we saw was oh, Click, yeah. which uh, which is C L. um, which was a smart bike lock. Um, Mm. If you've ever seen like the public bike schemes in London and Montreal and uh, Paris, I think as well, the uh, Bixit, the Canadian company, is a big sort of fat, tired bikes. Mm -hmm. They have those sort of locks on the wheel that you put the bikes back in. It's a bit like that, but on a smaller scale and designed more for businesses Uh, private park spaces in offices and things like that but the other interesting aspect that they were adding to that was of course the ability for cities to be able to track uh, who rides where and how many people are riding to work and to which workplaces and things like that so it sort of connects in Um, but yeah, these are not street furniture. These are sort of Mm. like private car parks and things like that, Sure, sure. which was interesting. That was also, uh, an interesting one.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting challenge. I mean, you know, somewhere like Berlin, um, bike theft is a common occurrence. And to the extent that even if you use a, um, a hardcore lock, like a D lock, um, attach your bike, they will cut what, what they can of your bike off the lock. And when you when you go back to your bike, what will be left is what was on the dock. Um, the so it might be one wheel. <laughs>
0: well, that's a sort of whole other conversation, I think. Yeah.
1: Which, uh, yeah.
0: Um, no one's solved that
1: one yet. <laughs> no.
0: Um, now, the other two I'm going to throw in, which I think were of more interest to in me than you, um, were the Mike Me, which... It was initially a little, seemed a little uninteresting and then became more interesting, especially relevant to what we're doing now because Kate and I wanted to try and do some live podcasting from Aoife and it didn't really work out. But this is sort of, I don't know, it's sort of like a... like a cigarette packet, maybe, sized microphone that can connect by a Bluetooth or by a lead and it's like a little external microphone. This isn't... An original idea, there's plenty of them that you can plug into your phone and things like that, but um, the wireless thing was quite interesting because, of course, it gives you placement potential and things like that. It was kind of interesting because that's uh, Mike me. And also, and I feel like I've seen someone else propose this recently, like someone big, and I can't remember who, but this was... um, What's it called? Uh, The Slate from... Iskin, isk because dot co. I guess that's supposed to be eye skin. I don't know why they couldn't no have put the i before S-K-N in the middle and just made it skin. But I anyway, it was
1: foreskin for a minute there. I'm sorry. Well,
0: maybe this is going to be a problem. The picture looks like a thumbprint as well. That doesn't help. Uh, yes. And it was actually like a tablet with uh, you could put a sheet of paper on top and then just a little uh, sort of ring around a pen or a pencil, a normal pen or a pencil, and just draw as you would normally draw with your pen or pencil, and it would be picked up by um, a tablet app, which was kind of cool. I use a Wacom sometimes, but you don't get that natural feeling you get from using a pen or a pencil. It's just limited to the iPad application at the moment, but... They did obviously say they're looking at uh, doing Photoshop support and things like that. So it was interesting. Um, any other things that took your interest, at uh, Leif?
1: Yeah, I'll um I'll do I'll do one more because I know there's lots of other things to talk about, and it's basically um let me just open the page. I've I've I think I've had the link here. Um, where's it gone? Da, 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 da. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's a fridge cam from a British firm. And basically what the fridge cam does is it enables you to um, see inside your fridge remotely from your phone or your computer and you're able to um, see what your, what is in there and it avoids, you know, the idea of buying excess, buying multiple copies of things or, um, you know, reducing food waste ostensibly. And I think the biggest um Intra- My biggest interest in this and why I think they're actually going to make a killing is it's not the f- okay they're not the first person who's done this. Um, you'd be aware Samsung has a, a very fancy ass smart fridge that you know they've shown off at and at um every event you ever go to that has Samsung. It's basically a massive, massive silver fridge. It has a computer in the front, so it's you know, you can use that like an iPad. It has a camera so you can check your food and a bunch of other bells and whistles. But it's of course extremely expensive. <laughs> Whereas this, the um the fridge cam is 99 pounds, which is about um 150 US dollars, I believe. Um, so that's really, really cheap. And I think, and you might sort of go, well, you know, who is who at home is going to use something like this? Where I think it's actually, I should be <laughs> a great idea personally. How many and times where do it, we go? Through. Do we
0: have the? Although, I, you know, you can't you can't look inside cartons, of course.
1: But yeah, yeah. and I was interested about the fridge door too. If it got if you can see the fridge door, I'm going to ask them that. Uh, once I get time to actually do some do some interviews for people I've I've met over the last week. But where it will come into its own is actually uh, laboratories that have refrigeration and um, factories, manufacturing places, things like that. Because a, a big thing that's been happening there over the last few months is um, sensor technology to use sensors remotely to measure temperatures. What they used to do was have someone physically go around three times a day um, in hospitals and uh, scientific laboratories and measure the temperatures uh, for the um, the blood that's kept there, the organs, etc., etc. Um, vaccinations. So these kinds of things, I can see there being a lot of uses in in a um, industrial setting or a healthcare setting, or a food setting. There you go.
0: <laughs> I just and here's me just thinking it was for bread and eggs, but. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true,
0: that's <laughs> true. Yeah, I, I was, it was, we haven't really talked too much about a lot of those big announcements, but it's funny when you go to somewhere like IFA and you suddenly remember how many companies make bloody fridges and ovens and vacuum cleaners, just
1: yeah. room
0: upon room upon room. Yeah. Of, and, and some of it is interesting and some of it is just such generic crap and yeah, so and, much and
1: sometimes it. I think there's a little bit of technology for technology's sake. Let's make it interesting so people will, will engage with it. And the, the only one that kind of interests me because I've I've been it's, it's something I've been following for a while, and, and it, it relates to what um I guess what we've been talking about the smart fridge idea is actually the notion that through sensor tech you'll be able to um, basically not only see what's in your fridge but order more food. And one thing that Samsung has actually done is a deal with Italy, which is um, an online marketplace. I think it's like fancy food or something like that initially. Um, surprise, surprise. And it enables um, people to order food remotely. And I, I, my understanding, and I'll have to read up on this, I don't know how sensitive this is yet and how, um, how advanced, but the basic idea of what's going to happen in the future is when you buy your food in the shops, your food will have a sensor on it, um, You'll be able to uh, read the use-by dates, expiry dates, so you'll know what to eat first when it's in your home. But also when your food runs out, you'll um, be able to order the food or it may be ordered automatically for you so that you get the um, you know, the replacement when you run out of your milk.
0: And, and this, this this sort of reflects into a lot of the smart packaging. I mean, Very we much. have barcodes. Okay. Barcodes have Very been with much. us a long time. I, I don't know... What is embedded into a barcode? If there's things like expiry dates and stuff, but of course, um, if you had packaging that tracks more information, you uh, you can use these devices to tell if things have gone off. If yeah. what ingredients are in things for say a friend who's visiting who's lactose intolerant Correct. or gluten intolerant Correct. or something like that, um, yeah, and it's it's i remember years ago years yeah. and years ago we've been talking about smart fridges being able to order food for you for yeah. decades
1: i know and this initially is the day, yeah. it
0: was just like why because we didn't yeah. even have the internet or online stores so yeah. who cared and now it's like vr we've been again we've been talking about it for decades yeah. but i think we're actually finally in a place where it could work if we want it i mean Uh, watches, smartwatches have sort of been a reality that has been realised and a lot of people kind of went and. So we shall see if it's actually useful. I mean, I personally would find it useful connecting up with things like Dash and stuff like that. I mean, shopping, especially for basic things like toilet paper, bread, milk. Mm, Cat food. It's a sort of stuff you order the same thing most of the time. Exactly. And actually it's one of those sorts of things I wouldn't mind not having to think about.
1: (laughs) And Um, I think a couple of points. um, First
0: world problem and all that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, a couple of points about it. I mean, firstly, it comes from that idea that traditionally a lot of people did have a standing order at a supermarket or their local shop in maybe the fifties and sixties where they would go to the shop and the box would be packed and ready to go every two weeks or every week with the same things in it. Or, um, it may actually be bicycled to their home. That was traditionally quite a common way to do. But the thing that interests me, I actually interviewed a company a few months ago, and I'll I'll dig out the link um, from Finland or somewhere in um, Scandinavia. I think it was Finland, and they actually do the smart packaging. And I sort of was like, well, you know, what kind of sensor technology is it? And they're actually using QR codes. Mm, yeah. um, the QR codes.
0: They actually have quite a lot of good use. They get they have kind plates. of. Yeah. And
1: QR codes are a funny one because when they first came out or when the, I, I became first aware of them, I would have that, um, which would have been, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, basically... I couldn't see the point because, well, firstly, we, we, um, when I was running a, we were running an environmental organisation, we thought, oh, instead of flyers, we could just use QR codes and people could come and access those and people wouldn't have a bar of it. There was a lot of resistance. In Australia, I mean, um, and a lot of the reason for that, people have told me who work in this space, is because you didn't get a meaningful engagement. So if you clicked on your QR code, what did it, it lead you to? A, a fairly crappy website. Whereas now they're a bit more savvy. So like like we said, we're selling... Like, like,
0: actually, I would challenge that ever so slightly. It's more that in the early days, they were mainly just used for marketing. Yeah. Um, no. And, I mean, that had limited potential, you're right. But actually using them more for tracking and quick bites of information, I think they've actually matured to become more useful.
1: Yeah. And, and now you can use them for, you know, in in the food sense, they could link you to a recipe for example um they could link you to a, a voucher so you get a, s- a second item free or what have you so they're a little bit more sophisticated i think and people have utilized the technology you know in more of a meaningful way perhaps
0: Although i think they're kind of on the way out just as they've finally matured. But the similar principles will certainly Yeah, think,
1: be used. it's an interesting one. But I think NFC the...
0: NFC IP... and things like that offer yeah. a lot more potential. But again, you have that problem of uh, my phone doesn't have an NFC reader, yours does. It's a bit inconsistent. Um, mm,
1: mm. Yeah.
0: QR codes are good because everyone has a camera. Even bare basic phones these days have a camera. So... It's kind of anyway we've, we've gone off topic there to an older technology. Um we haven't really spoken too much about any of the big exhibitors at IFA. I think A because they're being covered in many other places. B because actually it doesn't really interest us so much. I really don't care too much about all these giant TVs. Although fascinatingly there was the I still can't remember what it was called pixel yes. dot or dot Oh yes, smart dot Diddly That's dot squat or something. <laughs> this new technology from Samsung. Uh, again, some other crazy way of giving you higher quality of watching shitty soap operas. Um, or Big Brother in high definition. God knows why you would care. But um one of the things we found interesting was like they used this whole footage of the Brandenburg gate and things like that as this demonstration of true colour. It's like the Brandenburg Gate doesn't look like that. This yeah, it's looked really, like, really <laughs> orange, and the yeah. Brandon Gate is kind of just sort of Murky. faded orange. Like yeah. I, I don't know, it was this sort of hyper colour stuff.
1: That... Never really knew it was orange. I thought it was grey. There it's, you go. <laughs>
0: it is kind of grey orange. It was weird. Yeah, I just I yeah. found that a bit odd. It could have been the lights and things. I don't know. This is the problem with a lot of that stuff. It's all very personal, of course.
1: Yeah, and look, to be to be fair, I would say to people if you're listening to this and saying, "Oh, this doesn't sound very interesting," this this conference. Um, look, it. I have got so many things to 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 crawl through and to trawl through, I should say, um, press releases and so on. There was a lot of gauded devices that were released. There were some, there were wearables. There was a lot of health stuff. There was um, some car stuff. Um, and lots of stuff to do with, you know, making people's lives more convenient and easier. So, you know, I would say to people, if you, you know, have a, have a particular allegiance with a, a brand or a product or, a, you know, a, a type of technology, you would find it there. Mm. I think that, if you, know, you, you could find it. If uh, you could find it. So, There's
0: actually something interesting as well. I was supposed to today volunteer uh, for Fairphone. Oh, But I I, I, I cancelled it last week because I knew we'd be busy. Mm. But I never saw them there. Well, this is interesting. They sent an email today saying, Oh, if you'd volunteered and you're busy, you don't actually need to come anymore. We haven't Uh, been getting that much traffic. uh, Um, And, well, A, when we were there on Friday, it wasn't crazy busy. B, you're right. Uh, Finding people, finding stalls was really hard. Uh, it's such a big place and very badly organised. and Really
1: badly organised. Roughly
0: organised by topic, but sometimes you would get a stall mixed in with something that just wasn't relevant at all. Yeah, and
1: definitely. I mean,
0: I never found them. I didn't see them. We went through... Uh, there was
1: a lot of things I wanted to see. Yeah, um, we, we went through
0: booths of all sorts of uh, phone manufacturers, maybe because they're a smaller one, they were in some kind of community area or something. Perhaps, and probably perhaps. back end of nowhere where it doesn't cost any money. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. But let's let's move on from EFA because it's still going yeah. to be in the news for the next week, definitely. And people are probably hearing enough of it. Let's. Um, so last night we were at des uh, Startups, uh, claiming to be Europe's biggest startup event. I'm not sure about yeah. that. I missed- oh. Slush also claims that. I think. I also think Web Summit would probably also claim that, so uh, I think everybody claims it. But it was um, well, it was interesting. We I, I went to half of the conference on Saturday afternoon, which was not that busy and interesting. It was a mixture of these sorts of typical sort of startup talks of I don't really know what you are saying. You are just kind of telling me how awesome you are uh, and <laughs> i don't really know what you're telling me
1: yeah. but then a
0: couple of interesting things as well so i sat in on a presentation from a consultant who was talking about how to get eu funding which was actually interesting because Ooh. they it's as you would expect requires a little bit of work in the first place but yeah, once imagine. you get the money the reporting is actually very simple and they don't expect the money back. They don't expect any equity and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually kind of useful. Um, Also, a good talk that relates a little bit to our last episode about um, marketing yourself, about talking to the press. And yet again, at IFA, we had press badges. No one seemed to want to talk to you. It's kind of weird. Uh, It seems to be very unique to... uh, European um, you know. startups, but, uh, and a few other things. And then finally a closing keynote from Christian uh, Heilman who gave a very good talk on kind of the future. yeah it was interesting to- because I have seen him, he works, he used to work for Mozilla now right. he works for Microsoft and he works with the edge team, the browser team. Mm. I have seen him before talking at open source events, and I was quite surprised to see him doing a keynote at a startup event. It was sort of strange, but I think it was a good talk because he did do the whole kind of startup mumbo jumbo, sugar coated crap. He just kind of actually got to practical points.
1: Yeah. Um, he's a so, very engaging, engaging speaker, yeah, actually. Yeah, he's very experienced. Very good. Cool.
0: Uh, and then afterwards, we went to the main kind of crux of the whole night, which was uh, four venues around Unter den Linden, kind of between Alexanderplatz and Brandenburger Tour, um, where there were just lots and lots of stalls and startups and events and kind of like a party atmosphere, but pitching and things. It was, it was kind of interesting. We did a bit of a press tour saw some people, got distracted by free alcohol quite a lot. Um, And, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, a lot of the startups we saw were eh, moderately interesting. Nothing, uh, I got one or two that were really cool, but nothing really mind-blowing. I think actually the highlight for me was, it was, it was actually a company called oculiers uh, O-C-U-L-Y-Z-E, oh, yes. Yes. that were aiming specifically at homebrewers, but the hardware could be used in all sorts of things. It was a little addition to a smartphone that turned it into a microscope, which is actually pretty cool. It kind of connects back in with that citizen science type thing. I mean, microscopes well, actually, yeah, maybe they're not expensive, but still, you know, you're leveraging existing technologies and things like that. And we also saw um, Contest, which, apart from having very strong gin, uh, is an app for um, freelancers and self-employed people here in Germany, which is quite difficult. So it was interesting to have it sort of app-ized, um, but yeah, there were areas around transport. All oh, the skateboard people were pretty cool. Mellow boards. It was like a battery for skateboards, um, And those guys were kind of fun. Uh, and yeah, there was sort of mobility, fintech, uh, analytics, and then more general. It was kind of fun. There was a pitching competition as well. I think there were about five pitching competitions, but yeah, we I've just stepped few, in on one. A few words
1: to say yeah. about that actually. Hmm. Um, I bet you yeah, have. Yeah, there was a there was a pitching competition. I mean. It may well have been that these people were the culmination of the other pitches, pitching competitions of the day. And I'd add, if you are interested in this um, this whole Berlin event, you can go to the website, and I think they've got live streaming or recordings of all the um, talks, which I'll be having a look at because I didn't have time to see all that much yesterday. Um, but, yeah, we basically went to the uh, the ultimate pitching at the end. And it, you heard, well, it
0: actually uh, wasn't, I uh... It wasn't. It was just one of. I'm not sure where you got that impression from. It wasn't the ultimate thing. It was just one Uh, of several.
1: Oh, right. I I think I thought that because they got a trip to New York.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that costs 400 euros on Air Berlin. It's not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I do stand corrected. I apologize, listeners. Um, But it was a little strange. I mean, the the businesses that pitched, or the startups, if you like, that pitched, you had um, one of them was actually a – coffee cup holder like if you can imagine you know your, your cup of coffee is hot so you put a little um bit of fabric or leather around it so you don't burn your hands one of those and that was in the top 5 and I I couldn't help thinking like really <laughs> Berlin is this your top 5 is one of these like seriously where there are only five five people pitching um or five people that applied, how much did people have to pay to to um, to go into the competition if they did? You know, I was really surprised. I was expecting a lot more kind of dynamic stuff. There was a food service um, app which enabled people to get um, feedback on the daily specials of, um, you know, food places in their area. So when they went for their lunch, there was um, – what were the other ones, Chris? Can you remind me? Um, it was very late, people, so it's a little, little blurry. Yeah,
0: and they weren't terribly interesting, and yeah, uh, were, some it, of them oh, weren't it was very a, clear a HR either.
1: One, or a PR one, apologize. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, but people um, lunchtime deals. I yeah. mean, that was a nice idea, but I would challenge, especially in a city like Berlin, how many local yeah. food establishments would. Even add themselves to a platform. Well, they don't like that. need to Half do. Half of don't... them aren't even on Yelp. Yeah. So why would they be on yeah. something no one's ever heard of? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, it was. It's always a thing with startup events in that you'll get one or two diamonds in a lot of rough. know. Um, yeah. and, and that's like, just the nature not... of it. I don't want to. I don't want to diminish the enthusiasm no. or efforts that people no. go to because I've never done it, but. As sceptical press, when we hear a lot of pitches, of course, yeah, you're going to start to be a little um, overly critical, maybe, yeah. is a fair thing to say, but uh, yeah.
1: I guess we, you know, and to give people some perspective as well from our um, you know, our side of things, we, we get pitched at a lot. Um, we hear people's ideas a lot. We hear a lot of repetition in ideas. And so we're always kind of expecting a bit of a, you Know, show us how something is going to be transforming, disrupting to use those dreadful terms, but making people's lives better in some way that's um, really ut- utilizing the technology. I don't know, even
0: really- want to go to that kind of utopian dream of yeah. making people's lives better, just something that well,
1: that's, that's a pretty loose term. Is, that could be is, getting you lunch is on time, It's you know.
0: original, um,
1: original, yeah, <laughs> or just.
0: Not even original, I mean, not many ideas are original, they're just inversions of, but just, I don't know, sometimes I sometimes I enjoy the whole kind of enthusiasm and energy around the startup world, but at other times I just feel like, does anyone do any research? It just sometimes you see ideas repeated so many times but oh, God, yeah. that that's kind of we're getting off uh topic i think these are always side issues we could talk about, we could talk about this forever, and i really just want to talk about the event which was heaps of fun maybe yeah. we're being slightly critical of some of oh, the ideas we yeah. saw oh, yeah. but the, the event itself was heaps of fun um yeah. and yeah it was uh exhausting i don't know how much we've walked over the next few days you've been using a step tracker maybe you could see because it feels like feels like i've walked up and down a mountain three times the past couple of days um but yeah it's been a fascinating few days i think we'll have some more stuff belatedly from Efa for the next episode yeah Um, but yeah sorry
1: Sorry, I'd also say to people, like, this was not – these weren't the only tech events on this weekend in
0: Berlin. No, 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 no.
1: You could have picked probably ten other ones, including TEDx, which is on today. Well, that's part Um, of EFA,
0: And there's also the FSFE, the free software event as well. Um, it
1: just gives you a little yeah. a little um taste of berlin like there's always things happening there's always niches there's always um an opportunity to to, to learn more and to find especially out especially
0: this weekend i think it's like yeah. everyone's um, going back to work on monday and i think yeah 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 I, I for one would like to go to the coffee festival today
1: oh, very which nice. is uh,
0: completely unrelated but um oh god yeah coffee machines as well Alifa, i don't get the pod coffee machines
1: yeah. Does anyone have a, an, a a pod coffee machine? We're we're going to be horrified by them. I mean, oh, I don't you know, even want
0: to get into the sustainability aspect. Everyone I just knows how don't I don't actually I think the coffee is very not. good that comes from them, and yeah, I just don't see what is so complicated about making coffee.
1: I know but, it's yeah. very strange. I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand it. My main issue is just, the just the taste. get a robot to make it for you. They just you know?
0: give everybody an excuse to make average coffee. It's kind of my. Thing like I, I think that we had one from Lily, uh, which actually wasn't too bad. But most of the time, the N company, uh, this stuff is the coffee's crap. I don't know. It just tastes also- like. Water. Right.
1: I'd also add, I mean, we do have things like coffee bags already as well. So if people want inconvenience, I mean, it's got to be. I'm sure the coffee in the coffee bags would be better than these. Uh,
0: I've had some of that stuff when we've been travelling. It's not that great. but
1: I've never had it. It's better time. than instant
0: coffee, but yeah. only marginally.
1: you have to excuse us. We are Australian, so we are coffee snobs.
0: <laughs> and we're just snobs generally. Yeah. Okay, stop. we have been talking for quite a while. There talking. was a lot to cover. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know what the topics of discussion exactly will be for the next episode. But as always, there will be a summary of some notes on gregariousmammal.com slash podcast. Actually, I say as always, last episode was the first time I actually got a web page up. So that now exists. Um, If you enjoy what you hear, please go and rate and review us on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you happen to be getting the episode from or on uh, Product Hunt. Or just with your friends. Yeah, um, and I would, and, uh, one, yeah,
1: I'd add one thing there. If you um do you have something you would like to to if talk like about, to
0: be interviewed. Um, if you would like to be interviewed, yeah. This episode, I am also for the first time using the awesome stalwart of Mac audio engineering, audio hijack to merge multiple inputs so yes i can now record skype conversations properly so if you want to be interviewed you can be anywhere you like as long as you have an internet connection of course (laughs) you could just mail it in and we could anyway we're rambling now let's get out of here kate um we've been rambling the past few days let's stop rambling at people And yes, for another Weekly Squeak, I have been Chris Ward, Christian Chinchilla. You can tweet at me at Chris Chinch, catch me at com, And you have been?
1: Kate Lawrence from Read and my own personal um, mind space, I guess.
0: Your own personal mind space.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can people tweet at you? Sure you can. Kate, which is C-A-T-E underscore Lawrence with a W.
0: And do you have a website? No, just readwrite.com.:
1: Not yet, but maybe I should set something up. That might be a good idea. Yeah, put
0: maybe up- we should get Squarespace uh, sponsorship and then oh, can use oh, a Squarespace oh. account. <laughs>
1: kind of, too hard. I find Squarespace a bit tricky. Um, but, yeah, maybe I'll set up a little blog or something and put all my stuff together so people can read it.
0: Cool. All right, until next time, enjoy what you do. And if you have been, thanks for listening.